All the things I used to do to help refresh and keep myself motivated in between study sessions were all taken out of the equation. One of their favorite mentors and a pretty prominent EM physician paid the ultimate price and I think it really got all of us thinking seriously about this as a career. Our attendings are very dedicated and knew that like the rough experience that we were having as medical students since so they kind of took us under their wing and um, made it a great experience. I was pretty happy that um, the school was constantly trying to figure out how to get us back into the clinical environment. All right, welcome back to the EMSTED podcast. I'm here with my good friend, ER Dr. Nate, and this is Scott Wieters, your EMED coach, coming to you. We've got a great episode today. We're going to really look back at a crazy COVID year. Um, Nate, this was a year that none of us have ever seen in medical education. We didn't have this when we were medical students, but we've got some students today that have experienced and walked the walk and what it looks like to be educated during a pandemic. Yeah, Scott, I can't tell you how much I've been looking forward to this episode um, as as you know, we've gone back and forth a lot about just all of the changes related to the residency application process, the interviews, uh, going through the match statistics, but we really haven't been able to get the student perspective yet. And so today, we have with us a total of, gosh, how many, six, seven, I think eight students total uh, to tell us about how COVID has impacted their medical education and their medical uh, education experience over the past year. So without further ado, uh, let's uh, jump right in and, and meet our panel. Hi, this is Kayla Nussbaum. I am a fourth-year medical student at the University of Texas at Austin, Dell Medical School. Hi, my name is Dan Hubbard. I am a third year at the Texas College of Osteopathic Medicine in Fort Worth. Hi, everyone. I'm Angela Wen, and I am a second-year medical student at the University of Incarnate Word School of Osteopathic Medicine in San Antonio, Texas. Hi, everyone. My name is Callie. I'm a third year medical student at Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center in Lubbock, Texas. Hi there. My name is Colton Juno, and I'm a third year at the Indiana University School of Medicine. Hi there. My name is Juliana Castrolon, and I'm a second year at the Columbia University Vigelas College of Physicians and Surgeons in New York City. Hey, everyone. I'm Billy Shank. I am a fourth year medical student at Texas A&M College of Medicine in Temple, Texas. Hi, my name is Lauren Bayless. I'm a fourth year medical student at the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. I'm an incoming PGY1 at the University of Texas at Houston, McGovern Medical School and residency program. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining our show today. We've got a, a really good representation, a lot of different years, a lot of different schools. And so we're very interested to learn kind of how medical school looked like during a pandemic. So again, thanks for coming on this show. Nate, what's on your mind? What are you interested in kind of getting to know from these folks? Yeah, Scott. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear from our students just uh, exactly how things are going. I mean, obviously, it's been a very long year, a lot of changes, but uh, how, how are things going now? Are things roughly back to normal? I would say at Dell, for our non-clinical students, things are not back to normal. Most of those lessons are still over Zoom or online and asynchronous, but our clinical students are back in the hospital, back on rotations as scheduled, and things feel pretty normal in the hospital. So at Texas Tech, I think that our school did a pretty good job trying to keep things as normalized as they could from the beginning, but we are starting to get back to our new normal. I don't think there will ever be anything that goes back to quite like it was, but 
Um, for right now, our OSCEs are still virtual and things like that, but our next rotation, which is the last one of third year, we will be back in person. Our finals week will be back in person, so we are moving towards that direction. Um, the first and second year still have a pretty heavy virtual component, but that was already something that was built into our first and second year curriculum where you could have that flexibility to stream and do things online. It was really just the testing that changed quite a bit. And then at UIW, uh, I would say things are going well. I wouldn't say they were back to normal. Uh, ever since the quarantine started, of course, we were all moved onto the online platform and there was some um, you know, trial and error in trying to figure out how to make a flipped classroom curriculum work on that type of platform. But now over a year later, we are more of a hybrid platform now. So all of our lecture classes, like large groups and small group discussions are still online, but we do come in once or twice a week for our clinical skills in our anatomy labs. So guys, I, I really remember this well. We were skiing for spring break with our kids in Colorado. And like the day we left, the slope shut down the next day. And we're driving back, wondering what it's gonna be like. And when we got back home, everything was on shutdown. So we immediately bought like tons of toilet paper and rice and we were those people. Um, but when did you really first start to feel the impact of COVID on your medical training? Tell us what that looked like. Here in Indiana, we started to really notice it in the middle of March um, as I was ending my second year. So that was our dedicated month to study for step one. So all of my classmates were at school together and we got the notification that all of our testing centers had closed and our steps were postponed. We were like nine days before our exams. Um, so that's when we like first kind of it affected like our education. Um, just around that time, IU also pulled all students from clinicals. So all the third and fourth years were taken off of clerkships. Um, and then of course the first, the first years um, went online for um, school as well. So that was really the first time that we noticed it. Um, and then, of course, we continued to feel that over the summer and having our um, third year start date delayed. It was supposed to start at the beginning of May and it ended up being the end of June. Um, so we had um, our clerkships ended up being shortened to three weeks and, and six weeks instead of the normal four and eight weeks. Um, so that was also like one of the first things that we felt really in our education. For me, um, more from a more personal point of view, I guess. Uh, I think I definitely felt it since the very beginning of quarantine as well. It was really hard to not only find the motivation, but also to focus, to sit down and study with like everything else going on in the world. And I think a big part of that also is that all the things I used to do to help refresh and keep myself motivated in between study sessions, like hanging out with my friends, getting $7 coffees at coffee shops and normal med school experiences like clinical um, experiences and actually being able to do clinical skills classes in person, using my hands, stuff like that, were all taken out of the equation. So it did take quite a bit of time and adjustment just trying to get back into the groove of doing med school again. Um, so this is Juliana from Columbia, and we felt the impact pretty pretty early on. I'd say it was late February, um, and we were just about to leave for spring break. And we'd had actually in our sister hospital, we had one of I think it was the second patient in New York City that had been identified as COVID positive. And at that point, we didn't know that much about COVID and what the implications were. Um, I think we were expecting this to all blow over pretty soon. Although it felt like a scary unknown, we still didn't think it would last until now. You know, like now we're like a year later and still feeling its impacts, I'd say in the hospital and in our medical school. Um, and when we left for spring break, we all thought 
we might be back in person maybe a few weeks or a month. And I think a few days before we were meant to come back to campus, we found out it would likely be for the entire semester that we would be virtual. Um, and I think the administration just did a great job at shifting us to fully virtual education, because I think like a lot of people have mentioned, like we did have a lot of online lectures that you could view from home. Um, but given that we were in our first year, I think there are a lot of hands-on things that are difficult to do virtually, a lot of clinical skills that are really helpful to do in person and get feedback real time. Um, and I think that was the hardest part of the, the transition, not having the in-person components. Yeah, Scott, I don't know if you remember, but I, I think um, this was shortly after CORD last March, I want to say. Uh, I was actually in New York City, you know, for CORD, and a lot was still up in the air at that time. We had a few meetings about, you know, maybe what we were going to do if things got bad. Uh, and literally a few weeks after I got back home, you know, we were asked to come up with these uh, virtual learning plans and, you know, how we would modify our clinical clerkships, and uh, it just kind of snowballed from there. Now, some of you just mentioned that, you know, some of your clinical experiences were maybe cut short or you moved to some more virtual educational uh, platforms. For the rest of the group here, any other ways that your medical school uh, sort of changed their, their curriculum? Anybody doing, you know, telehealth uh, visits with patients, for example, or, or anything else outside the norm? This is Callie. Um, at Tech, we had a lot of changes for our third year curriculum, not necessarily how we saw patients, but... Um, since so many people had their step exams canceled the summer before third year, which is usually our deadline, they had to open up December as a study month. And because of that, we had to kind of adjust clerkships in general. So they were all shortened from eight weeks to seven weeks. And the week that we lost was our study week for our shelf exams. So because of that, our curriculum was changed to pass fail. So lots of big changes as far as what the actual year looked like in that regards. Um, as far as telehealth, we really did more of that on our OSCEs and things like that. I mentioned that they were virtual. There definitely were more telehealth visits in the clinic, but attendings usually took care of those more on their own and just let us kind of watch in. So we still got the same amount of FaceTime with patients, I think, personally. This is Billy from Texas A&M. Um, so yeah, like a lot of people have already said, at the beginning, we were kind of pulled out of all clinical experience, which I think was very appropriate since everyone was just figuring out what was going on. Um, I would say our school adapted pretty quickly um, by creating some online electives, as well as adapting some of the regular electives that we usually have to an online-only format. Um, and thankfully, the, the school was also really responsive to student feedback, um, and we were able to get back into the clinical environment in at least a partial way, I believe, by mid-May at my school. So I was pretty happy that um, the school was constantly trying to figure out how to get us back into the clinical environment. Um, and just recently, we are actually allowed the opportunity um, when we're back in the clinical environment to see potentially COVID-positive patients if we're comfortable with something like that. Um, so the curriculum did change pretty quickly, but um, I think like a lot of schools, my school did its best to uh, try and get students the best education as soon as possible. It's Dan from TCOM and our curriculum, uh, you know, and courses have changed to suit COVID. Uh, our kind of preclinical years one and two are similar to what a lot of others have mentioned of mostly online and maybe some slight uh, in-person OSCEs or exams, um, you know, physical exams in person. And then our third and fourth year curriculums were really quite impacted early on with most of it being online 
coursework or online modules, whether that through our school or some third party service. And now that we're kind of getting back into things, it depends on where we are uh, for family medical clinics and uh, the more outpatient clinic settings, we are integrating a lot of telehealth and partial days to kind of match those clinics new schedules. And for our inpatient roles, it really depends on the hospital service and whether they're taking us for the entire day, part of the day, or maybe just changing our schedules so that less of us are in a certain department at a certain time. Um, so we have faced impacts from that. And that's interesting to hear how, how differently and but in the same, how a lot of people kind of experience this. I want to pitch a question maybe to some of our fourth years that, that walk through and are already committed to emergency medicine. You guys matched. Um, you know, during COVID, emergency physicians all of a sudden became cool, right? Like we're the heroes and, you know, we're like on a Wheaties box. Um, but as you're walking through this decision to commit to emergency medicine, do you think the pandemic made it uh, easier to be more committed to emergency medicine or based on your lack of ability to really experience it, were you less committed? How do you think that affected your decision? This is Callie. So I'm a third year, but I definitely did some thinking about all of this at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, between Lubbock and me being back in Dallas whenever quarantine happened, those were two areas that got hit pretty hard in Texas. Um, and personally, a lot of my EM bound friends in Lubbock that I'm in school with, um, one of their favorite mentors and a pretty prominent EM physician in Lubbock paid the ultimate price regarding COVID. And I think it really got all of us thinking seriously about this as a career. Um, I don't think that you pick a specialty and pandemics are the first thing that are on your mind whenever you're considering this as a future. Um, it's such a once in a lifetime thing, hopefully, but it definitely made me stop and consider everything. However, at the end of the day, um, it didn't change my mind. I still want to do EM just as much as I did before, if not more. Um, so I definitely am still committed. This is Billy from Texas A&M. Um, yeah, so like most probably EM bound students, it was pretty scary watching kind of the news at the beginning of the pandemic and seeing, you know, what the future of our field might look like and what we were headed into. But um, I think like most of us, I would say that it actually strengthened my desire to go into the field. Um, I think that one of the best parts of emergency medicine is being constantly challenged and how adaptable that we have to be. And with COVID, we got to see, you know, it required all of the docs and really the whole department to adapt on a day-to-day -day basis on the information that they were getting from the CDC, from what they were getting from the World Health Organization. And it was really inspiring to see these folks enter the field every single day and not really know what they're getting, um, you know, and just adapting to the situation they were given and doing a lot with a little bit of information. So um, for me, I just thought that was really cool and uh, kind of strengthened my desire to go into emergency. This is Lauren Bayless at UTRGV. Yeah, I, I feel like to do emergency medicine, you kind of have to commit pretty early just to make sure your ways are in line. And so that kind of happens, I feel like spring of your third year. Um, so at that point, I was like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to change it late in the game. I was super concerned about getting my ways done and everything else. But I totally agree with what Billy said. It was cool. I felt like this is what emergency medicine is all about. Like, 
you know, a lot of other people, you know, kind of recessed, kind of went and hid. And I was like, no, like EM's right on the front lines right now. We're helping people. We're out in front. And so that definitely strengthened it. And I was like, this is what this field's all about. And we're really coming through right now. And it was super cool to see like emergency physicians in the media handling news questions. So I felt like kind of for the first time since our youngish specialty has been around, we were at the forefront of everybody's, you know, attention. Um, kind of on, so I was definitely a pro and strengthened my decision to go to EM. Kind of something scary that came out of COVID along with all the health concerns and seeing some of the doctors who did pay the ultimate price are also the changes that to the workforce that COVID really accelerated that I think a lot of people have been talking about and then COVID kind of pushed it forward. And now we're talking about less jobs. There were less shifts with less patients coming in. And so I know job concerns has been you know, a big discussion. It's a hot topic right now. And I've even heard some of my underclassmen who were EM bound, they're like, well, now I'm, I don't know if there's going to be a job for me by the time I'm done with my training. I, I'm curious for those of you who maybe aren't graduating soon, your medical education, has it impacted at all you or perhaps your peers' uh, decisions to go into to a certain specialty? In other words, have you been able to experience things the way that you thought? And has that really impacted, you know, whether or not you, you feel like you've got enough experience to make a good, solid career decision at this point? This is Colton from Indiana. And one of the things that our school did was we moved anesthesia and radiology to online. And so we did, did that during um, the initial quarantine period. Um, so then, of course, students that really wanted that experience in those two specialties had to do that during their elective time. Um, so at our, I think at our school, I think that's really the only hindrance that maybe we had, um, that some people maybe had to give up elective time to do those rotations to, if, to see if they were actually interested in those rotations in the clinical environment. Um, but other than that, I really think that my medical education wasn't hindered in any way during my clerkships. I feel like I was able to, you know, I was able to scrub in, I was able to see patients. Um, earlier this year, we were able to um, see COVID patients. So I was like on the ICU helping manage, um, you know, prone patients on a, you know, rotoprone bed. Um, and it was just like a really interesting experience. And I think that um, if actually maybe in some ways, even like enhanced our clinical experience, um, I feel like our attendings are very dedicated and knew that like the rough experience that we were having as medical students. And so they kind of took us under their wing and um, um, made it a great experience. This is Callie from Texas Tech. I just wanted to throw in kind of an alternate view on this topic. So critical care was one of the other things I was interested in at least kind of looking at maybe. And my internal medicine rotation was my very first one of third year. So this was in July of last year when things were still pretty crazy. They were still trying to figure out what to do with medical students in the hospital because we hadn't been there the previous spring. Um, so on IM, usually we have a week of MICU and I did not get my MICU week. So I was not able to get any ICU experience. So I am choosing to do a little bit longer of an MICU rotation for fourth year just to get that time. And I think it's really valuable experience, but I think that situations like that were pretty common in my class where there were certain areas of the hospital we couldn't necessarily spend time in and explore as options. 
Hi, this is Kayla with Dell. I think that um, speaking as a student who had a home program and a home peds EM program, I was extremely lucky that I didn't have to really have much of my schedule changed um, in order to still do get, get the exposure I wanted and get the letters I needed. But I think that it really raised um, awareness for those programs and those students who are orphans who don't have a home program or places they can reach out to. I think it would have been extraordinarily difficult to have a real grasp of what the field of EM is like without access to those sorts of rotations. And so I think that's something going forward in the next year, I might be kind of getting ahead of myself, but that's something that needs to be highlighted to make sure that those students still have the right exposure and the right, um, the right access to make sure they're making an, an informed choice about, about the field they're going into. Yeah, great points. You know, uh, Nate and I are always interested, how can we do things better? How can we do things different? Um, you know, it sounds like your schools adjusted as best they could. Uh, but if we had to be a little bit harsh uh, without throwing our academic uh, dean under the bus, uh, looking back, you know, what could we as medical educators have done better to prepare you for residency, given that this was an unprecedented year in a pandemic? What thoughts do you have? Hi, this is Lauren Bayless at UTRGV. So I will say that something that was super helpful was having the national organizations come together and release statements. Um, for example, I think CORD releasing their statements on this is how we're going to handle a ways this year. I think they were one of, if not the first GME programs to release statements like that. And that was super, super helpful. Just knowing that we're all going to be on the level playing field. How are we going to proceed? And I think, you know, being someone that this was directly affecting, I was watching those things like a hawk, but actually being able to take documents to my deans at my school and say, look, this is how things are going. I was really able to advocate for myself because they had taken kind of national steps. So if something like this were to ever happen again, I think just making expectations very clear um, and having national guidelines where everyone's treated the same, this is how we're all going to do this together, was something that was very helpful, I would say. This is Dan from TCOM. I think one of the most interesting things about COVID and going forward in its relation to medical education is that this probably is not the last time we are going to see something like this. Uh, a lot of the estimates that people discuss these days is that, that it will happen again. We have this you know, globally interconnected world it's just so easy to travel and spread viruses and have events like this happen. And I think we need to look at that in a, in a very general picture towards medical education as well. You know, are we preparing our students in years one and two to really do well in their clinical rotations in three and four? Should we, you know, put a little more emphasis on teaching presentations and giving them, you know, tangible physical skills towards procedures or, or workups a little earlier on uh, to support them in years three and four so that in years three and four, we can really refine them and teach them as we now do interns and maybe make a better intern later on. And then we'll, you know, by giving ourselves kind of this head start more so than maybe we do now, uh, if we lost a little time to another event, we wouldn't feel that our intern classes maybe have lost as much. Well, I have to say for uh, those of you here with us who are fourth-year students and, and those of you who are fourth-year students listening at home, uh, you all are, are trailblazers for sure. I mean, this this was I, this was a year unlike any other year that we've ever had, and I don't know how I would have done if I was a fourth-year medical student, but but you all plowed through it and, and um, rolled with the punches, and 
are now the experts in doing this during a pandemic. For those of you who are uh, getting ready to embark on another uh, unique application cycle here, do you have any specific concerns or, or anything uh, that's that's come to the forefront of your mind about uh, this upcoming application season? Hi, this is Colton from Indiana, and I'm interested to see what the institutions do for interviews. Um, I think there was a lot of positive feedback on the virtual interviews. Um, so I'm expecting them to be a, some sort of hybrid model maybe, um, but hopefully like it's my hope that all institutions will at least give some option for us to come and see the university, whether that's you know for a one day like second look type of thing after the interview. Uh, so that's one thing that I'm really looking forward to like um, seeing what happens, especially as I like embark on that journey um, in just a few months. And then of course, right now, um, a lot of incoming fourth years are thinking about away rotations. So today, um, whenever we're recording this, that they just opened up the applications for that. Um, so that's kind of um, kind of an area of stress for some students across all specialties, really. Um, but I want to echo again what um, what Lauren said earlier that about um, Emra and Cord both like advocating for us as students. Um, I've, you know, some of my classmates that are going into other specialties haven't really had that experience. And so I think we're really lucky in EM um, to have that and to have those like two strong organizations um, advocating for us. And um, I liked the part where Lauren said that she um, felt like she could advocate for herself. And I really think that's like one of the biggest pros of like the emergency medicine community is that we all are empowered to advocate for ourselves and our patients. And, um, and as we go forward in this like kind of unknown next year of what the application cycle is going to look like, um, I kind of have been reflecting on that and what's happened over the past year. So hi, Kayla with Dell. I know as a fourth year, I've already completed my interview in a interview cycle, but I wanted to kind of emphasize the pros that came out of that and things I hope kind of stick around next year that I would hope for my, for my current third year counterparts. Um, going into it, I was told to like brace myself that it was going to be the worst thing ever to have to interview online. And so, but it, it really wasn't bad. There were actually a lot of really great things that came out of it. We saved so much money, so much time. I was able to still do things and get credit without having to, which is helpful given that rotations were moved and we kind of had to change our hours around and our schedules around that interviewing online gave students a lot more um, freedom for what they could do with their time. Um, on the other hand, I did match into a, to a program in a city I've literally never been to. So that's uh, kind of the, the con to this particular season. But I think like Colton said, going forward, there's opportunities for a hybrid model where students can save money, still get to know the programs in a way that's valuable, um, but also have the chance to go see them in person if that could make or break their, their rank list. Gotcha. And that, that kind of brings me to my next question. You know, I mean, we, we hopefully will learn some good things from COVID. It forced us to do some things we weren't comfortable with, but I mean, there's got to be some good that came out of this. So you know, what was maybe one of the best curricular innovations or maybe outcomes of just walking through this from an educational standpoint that, that COVID caused us to experience and try that you really think that our schools and our systems and, and basically emergency medicine in general needs to kind of keep around? Like, what do you think will improve the experience for future students that we should focus on? This is Lauren from UTRGV. Um, so non-curricular, but a huge part of medical school. I want to echo Kayla that there were a bunch of positives with virtual interviews Probably, and I think that's huge, and I hope they find some way to make it work and still, you know, working with students who do want to come and see the campuses in person. 
Uh, a major curricular innovation that I saw was virtual electives. I don't think all electives are done well virtually, but two that were really successful within my institution, we made a virtual radiology elective and that was great. I learned a lot. Um, we had one really, really great professor whose just time availability had never worked out for him to take a course before, but being able to record lectures, do things asynchronously, do things in a virtual format, he was able to reach like all the learners. And so we all got to benefit from his knowledge. So that was a wonderful elective. And then I got to take something I was interested in, which was a virtual patient safety elective. And just as an M4, it was nice to have virtual options when you have so many kind of, I would, I'll say administrative roles as a fourth year that you need to get done, paperwork, applying for residency, when you're in res, like once you've been matched, like getting all your onboarding paperwork done. So it was nice to have those virtual options. And then not curricular, but a cool elective innovation that I saw. I actually want to give Dan Hubbard at TCOM a huge shout out for this. He was our TSEP Medical Student Council Simulation Chair this past year. And he found a way to do SIM cases virtually, which was awesome. And then because everyone was so used to the virtual format, like even though he was at TCOM in Fort Worth, he was able to come teach my school down in the Valley, you know, all, all the way across Texas, how to do these cases. And we've been running them ever since. And I think it's a great like clinical reasoning tool that we didn't have before that now we have. Um, and we're able to just run them on the weekends and just as like a group of students. So kind of three areas of cool innovations that I saw this year. This is Dan from TCOM. Just to follow up on Lauren's nice plug for what we were able to do with simulation. I wanted to share, you know, just with the students listening to this, that that's through virtualrecessroom.com, um, which is a Canadian um, developed tool from some of our EM colleagues up there, I believe out of Toronto. So that works great. They have great videos explaining it all uh, just to get that out there to others. This is Billy from Texas A&M. Uh, I thought I would just add, um, you know, going off a little bit of what Lauren was saying. Um, one thing that was really helpful for me was um, some of the webinars that came from all these schools that were trying to get the word out about their program. So I, I'm someone that has family kind of all over the country and I was kind of really wanting to learn about these programs, but unfortunately away rotations were canceled. And sometimes the virtual away rotations can be a large time commitment. They can take a full month or two weeks out of your curriculum. And so one of the ways that I really loved getting to know programs was some of the webinars that they offered. So whether it was just a webinar to have a sit down with the residents or to get to know the faculty a little bit better, or they even just talk about the town where the residency exists. I thought that was great. I learned a lot about a bunch of different programs and it really only took an hour on a, on a weeknight uh, or something like that. So I thought that was a great thing that came out of it. And then secondly, um, this application season, I thought that a lot of schools did a good job with their social media presence. And I kind of realized how important that was from a student perspective. I, I don't think I'm the biggest social media head ever, but just being able to take a glimpse into the residents' lives, you know, when they post something on their Instagram or on their Facebook, um, being able to see what, what it's like in the doc box or what kind of stuff they do for fun. I would love to continue seeing that, um, you know, and not only be a part of it once I'm in residency, but um, just continue to see that because it's, I think it's a great resource for students. Um, so this is Juliana, and this isn't so much um, a curricular innovation. It's more of a cool outcome that came from COVID. Um, 
But I felt like within our institution, at least, I don't know if any of the other students felt this as well, there was a really big push towards sharing our experiences. And we were able to contrast our experiences at different levels of medicine, um, as well as just in the different spheres that we were exploring of medicine. And at our school in particular, we had these narrative medicine seminars that we take the second half of our first year. And we were still able to take these despite being virtual. But what was so cool about it this year is that all of us were kind of scattered around the country. A lot of us had gone home and we were able to kind of show what COVID looked like within the confines of our neighborhoods, um, the cities we were in, how medical school education looked to us when we were fully virtual. Um, and I think this wasn't even just for the medical students, but there were just initiatives across like the like Columbia itself and New York Presbyterian where the doctors were also able to share a lot more about what their kind of COVID experience had looked like, whether it be through writing or photography. Um, we saw poems come out of it and that was really cool. Again, I want to thank our panel of students here for joining us this afternoon and sharing their thoughts about how COVID has uh, changed or impacted their, uh, their medical education over the past year. Yeah, thanks for listening to another episode of the EM Stud podcast. If you'd like to read more about the current COPA guidelines and the 2021 updated consensus statement on away rotations, as well as letters of recommendations, we'll have those in our show notes at www.emstud.com. If you'd like to learn more about our parent organization, the Clerkship Directors in Emergency Medicine, and the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine, go ahead and visit www.saem.org slash cdem. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me at emedcoach, and you can find Nate at ERDrNate. Finally, good luck to all the students out there getting ready to start your EM experiences. Rotate well, my friends.